This is episode 58 of Parents Have Special Needs 2, and I'm your host, Ashley Johnston. Hello! Hope you're having a good day, a good week, a good Monday. And if it's not, then I hope this can definitely brighten up your day. I just want to jump into what we're talking about because I've been thinking about this for a while and I think it's really critical to address when you're raising a child with special needs. Now, this is for those of you who are currently married. Marriage is what I want to talk about. And when I am in communities and communicating with other parents that are raising children with special needs, keeping their marriage together can be a huge, huge struggle. And if you've been around and you've seen statistics or other things, it's like, oh, you have a child with special needs, the divorce rate goes up, the struggle rate in your marriage goes up and all of that. And I am not for that. So I want to get on here and tell y'all what I've learned in being married, keeping my marriage together, enjoying my marriage all through the time that we have been raising our children with special needs and that it's totally possible. It's a possibility. You don't have to be a statistic, not if you don't want to, okay? And here's the thing is that all of these things that I'm gonna share with you today are things that I was able to do on my own without having to drag my husband into therapy. Not that I'm saying go to therapy is a bad thing, but for the purpose of taking him there in hopes that the therapist will change him so that I can feel better. Okay, that's not what I'm talking about today. What I'm talking about are the things that I can control and what I can do. And let me tell you, it has changed my marriage. And I'll tell you why as I get into it. All right, so... I'm going to share with you six different points today. And the first one is holding space and having grace and compassion for your spouse. Okay, I've talked about holding space for having self-compassion and grace for yourself, but it's something you need to do for your spouse. And the reason is is because they are struggling too. And I have actually learned that men grieve differently than women. It looks differently, generally speaking, right? But even still, I don't know that two humans grieve the same at all anyway. And so when you learn about your child's disability, or if you're just having a hard time, the way that having a hard time looks for you is different than what it will look like for your husband, okay? It may be difficult for us to understand, but if you're willing to be open and listen to them and and approach them more of, hey, I noticed you're struggling. Are you okay? Like, I'm here for you. Is there something you need? They're much more likely to open up and just let you know that they're struggling. And then you can hold a space for that. Think about what you need and what you want when you're struggling. And it may not be the exact same things. It may not look the same as what your spouse wants, but the space of holding compassion for their process of grief and their process of struggle is something you want to hold space for. This has changed my marriage because I see my husband differently and with compassion. And I'm not in a hurry to be like, like, fuck up, buddy, it's time to move on. You let them have space for their process. All right, another huge thing that has helped me is getting rid of the manual 
that I have for my husband and how he should be dealing with my kids and how he should be showing up as a dad and dealing with the special needs that are that's that are in our home. Okay, a manual, just to review, is when you have a, even if it's unconscious, a written set of rules for how your spouse is supposed to show up. Okay, now I do want to say I'm not currently addressing abuse or other types of legal issues or domestic violence or things like that, okay? Those are not the things that I'm addressing in this podcast. So if you feel like that is something that is happening in your home, then this is not the place for you to get answers for that kind of an issue, okay? All right, back to the manual. So you have a set of rules for how your spouse should show up, and you probably don't even, A, know you have it, or B, if you do, you probably haven't told your spouse about it. And then C, even if you do tell your spouse about it, what is the likelihood that they're going to be like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm totally going to do that. I'm glad you told me. Thank you. Now I know how I should live my life. Okay, that's not going to happen. Because think about if your spouse shows up to you or someone else and tells you, this is how you should be behaving. This is what you should do with your life and how you should live. What's the likelihood of you being like, oh, yeah, okay, cool. Thank you for telling me. I'm glad I know now. Now I'm going to do that. No. People get to think and feel and behave and believe however they want to, okay? The benefit of dropping that manual is that you get rid of all of the drama in your head about what they should or shouldn't be doing, and you can actually see them for who they are. Having a manual for someone, for your spouse, places a barrier in between you and him, and you cannot actually even see him clearly because you're so upset that he's not fitting into the pre-cut life that you have designed for him. Okay, so you have to get that out of the way if you're actually going to have a chance to address any real issue that's happening. And remember, your husband is just the circumstance. They're the circumstance. And the drama you have in your head is why you're feeling so upset, not because of how your husband's showing up. So try to get rid of that manual. Another thing that I've done is consider their perspective, and their opinion. Don't automatically assume that they don't know because they haven't been to all the doctor's appointments. They haven't done all of the things. Okay, they might be more observant than you think. So take a minute and consider. It doesn't mean you're going to do it. It doesn't mean that they are fully informed. Maybe they are lacking somewhere, but you might be surprised at what they've been observing and their ideas to help your child, their ideas to help your marriage work. So keep a space open to consider that instead of shutting it down right away. Because if you shut it down right away, why would they even want to share that with you in the future at all? Okay, the fourth thing is stop feeding the negative narrative, even if you feel it's true. Now, what I mean by this is, is each of us have this story, and this is closely intertwined with the manual idea. We have a story about our spouse, about the kind of person they are and what they do, and we have all sorts of evidence to back this up. Like, they don't help with the house. I'm doing all of this by myself. They should be more helpful with the child, with doing the therapy, with going to the doctor's appointments. They should be more involved, et cetera, et cetera. Now, whether or not this is true, you don't want to be feeding it because what you'll find is that there are other things that are as equally true that will feed a positive narrative. 
And the whole point is that when you view someone in a positive light, you treat them differently. And when you treat them differently, they tend to show up differently. Think about people in your life, two kinds of people, someone that treats you with respect, kindness, openness, and think about how you show up in that relationship. And then think about someone whom you interact with that you feel treats you negatively. Maybe they judge you or they're belittling. Think about how you show up in that relationship when you feel that way. You're almost two completely different people. So think about how you show up when you stop feeding that negative narrative. You show up treating them with respect. How do you think your spouse will respond if you show up treating them with respect? Now listen, don't do this expecting a specific outcome. Do this because you like you when you show up this way. Okay, so I want you to try this on because it's totally worth it. You will discover that there are just as many things about your spouse that you love. Like when you were first dating, you spent a ton of time feeding the narrative of how amazing they were, how you felt so good when you were around them. But the reason you felt so good when you were around them is because you were feeding that amazing narrative. So if you're struggling with this, take a minute to figure out, make a list of the evidences of the things you love about their spouse. How are they showing up in a way that's helpful? What are they doing that's contributing? How are they trying in their own way? Okay, and then the next thing is you want to express gratitude for it. Okay, this is a separate step, but it all merges together, okay? When you take the time to focus on expressing gratitude for what is happening already, not expressing gratitude for what you hope will happen, but what they're actually currently doing. Express gratitude for that, for them, for being there, for working, for helping, for listening, for being willing, all of these things. Now you can express gratitude in your head every time you see it, and that alone will shift how you feel and how you show up. But you can also go the extra mile and express it to them. And not in a way where you're hoping that it will create some sort of outcome of their behavior. Not, I'm going to express gratitude so that they change and they're different. You're expressing gratitude because you genuinely are grateful for what they're doing. You're genuinely grateful for them and who they are. And if you're struggling in the present moment to see that, go back to when you were first dating for when you decided that you wanted to be with them and marry them. What were you thinking then? And you can think that now. All right, so the very last thing. This is an exercise that my husband and I do together, and it's a game changer. Now, we often do it when we're falling asleep and we're having pillow talk, right? We're just chatting, and we'll start expressing gratitude for each other. And then we start talking about how we love our marriage. We spend time talking about why our marriage is working. And it can be so small. Like I will talk about how, hey, I'm really grateful that you work so that I can be with the kids, so that I can be doing this therapy program with the kids. And he goes, I am so grateful you're doing that therapy program with our kids so that I can work. This is really working out. Or 
I'm grateful that you are willing to take over so that I can go out with my girlfriends. And he goes, wow, this really is working. I love that you can take over with the kids in the evenings an extra night putting them to bed on your own so that I can go out with the guys and get a good workout, play some pickleball. My husband loves pickleball and he's great at it. And it's genuinely rejuvenating for him. So it adds even more quality to our relationship and the functioning of our marriage. So this is an activity that you can start developing together and it doesn't have to be something you officially start. I mean, if that works out for you guys, you can, but if not, then this is just something that you can start talking about. Start talking about and having more conversations about why your marriage is working instead of focusing on why it's not and why you struggle. Now, I'm not saying you ignore the struggle and you don't talk about the struggle ever and you don't try to solve problems ever, but if you want to treat it like a bank account, okay, this is what John Gottman likes to do, and he is a renowned marriage expert, has done tons of research, great books. I highly recommend looking into his stuff. But he often talks about treating your relationships like a bank account and that if you have a checking account and you deposit $1,000 into it every month, but you withdraw $1,500, even though it's just $1,500 and you're $500 in debt, if you do that every month, your account is going to massively be in the negative. And that's how it is with our relationships. You have to be making positive deposits into that checking account and genuine deposits, okay? You've got to really feel it and mean it. And this is the work that you can do on your own. And as you start making those deposits and as your spouse starts seeing, wow, she's in this, she loves this, she sees the good in it, it's very contagious. Okay, And this can be a discussion that you have on your date nights and you have before you go to bed. Why are things good and why are they working out? And I promise that they are there and you can find them and you can find evidence for them. If you're willing to open up your mind and you're willing to possibly be wrong about all the negative things or possibly be open to the fact that there are great things that are working, maybe you're just having a hard time seeing it right now, okay? This can totally shift the energy of your marriage and you become a team and it's you against the struggle instead of you struggling with each other. Okay, and this alone, strengthening your marriage like this makes caring for a child with special needs a whole lot easier, more manageable, more enjoyable. Put one of these, just take one, or you can do all of them because they're all awesome, but just take one and test it out. It's a game changer. All right, that's what I got for you guys this week. Have a great week. And until next time, take care.